All right, hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis, the only sports show on the internet. There aren't any others. There's no pardon my take. There's no late kick with Josh Pate. There's no right time with Bomani Jones. There's there's no Dominique Foxworth show. Uh, there There's no NFL Live. No, this is the only sports show on the internet. Thank you for coming back in. I lied. I, I just lied straight to your face last time. Though many of y'all probably don't remember, but I said I was going to record uh, the next episode later in the day didn't happen. I waited another day because I am just kind of lazy like that. You know, things happen and you just don't get to do the things that you wanted to do in the first place. But here we are, very next day, uh, spry, ready to go. Well, not necessarily spry. I worked a nine-hour shift today and your boy is tired. I tell you, tired to say the least. I'm delusional. My knees are hurting. They're a little bit swollen because I just stand all day, every day. But... We are back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back for a pre-recorded episode, so no headlines today, but we are talking about the NFC South. We got the other Southern Division on deck here, and you know what? It's maybe not, you know, not the best division in the world. It's it's the Southern Divisions in general. For some reason, and I don't know why this is, but in the NFL, the Southern divisions are terrible in college. They're the best divisions in all of college football. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I feel like you should be holding up your end of the bargain a little bit more uh, to the NFL Southern teams. Also, one thing that was brought to my attention the other day is just the geography of having uh, of having Indianapolis in the AFC South does not make any sense. I mean, they are a they are in the North. There is no two ways about it. They are not a Southern team at all. They can fool you with that 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 dome that they've got, but they are not in the South at all. You draw the you, you draw the paintbrush over over the 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 teams that are in the AFC South. They are they are not in the South, man. They got to draw a, a big old penis up towards the northern part of the country creeping towards the Great Lakes, and that's where Indianapolis is. But what am I talking about? I don't know. I'm just talking in circles at this point. Let's get to the NFC South preview, shall we? Let's stop talking in circles, get to the NFC South. Let's go. And we've got an ice-cold caffeinated beverage here today. Ice cold. It's the, it's the evening. We're bumping up on 8 p.m. right now. So, I mean, you got to have that ice-cold caffeine coursing through your veins to get through this pre-recorded episode before your boy goes on vacation. Because, yeah, I need a break before this football season starts, ladies and gentlemen, especially starting this new job. I am grateful to have it, but, boy... I need a break. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's move on to the NFC South, though, like I said I was going to do. And just like the other times, we're just going down the list of teams that were, you know, first to worst last year. Not necessarily what I'm predicting this year, just a little bit of a foreshadowing of what's coming. But we're just going down the division standings here. So starting off with last year's division winner, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks are an interesting case, I would say. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, did not lose a whole lot this offseason. I mean, their roster isn't terrible. I mean, they've still got uh, the guys on defense, pretty much most of the defense that was there before, besides Sean Murphy Bunting, who went over to the Tennessee Titans, is still around. Most of that offense, I mean, all of the receivers pretty much, like the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, I believe they still have Russell Gage, who's a pretty solid third receiver. I mean, it's not a bad group, but offensive line still an issue. They do have Tristan Wirfs, so you know, credit where it's due. He's a very, very good tackle, but the rest of that line is an absolute disaster. Um, 
But, I mean, not a bad backfield. Rashad White showed you some things last year at times. I think they drafted somebody, too. I mean, what, what am I talking about? I got the personnel here. I can look that up here. But, I mean, like I said, the roster isn't terrible. They just lost their starting QB and replaced their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich. Losing the starting QB, probably a little bit more of a problem because... Like I said, and I'm still sticking to with the early predictions here earlier in this offseason, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are my pick for the number one overall right now. They, I mean, it's not like they stink, but I don't have a whole lot of faith in Todd Bowles to put this thing together and have this team play above what their talent level is right now. And I certainly, I've watched enough football to know that if you don't got a quarterback, None of that other stuff matters. It just simply does not. And when you got a, a heated competition between Baker Mayfield, behind a bad offensive line, by the way, and that really, really matters with Baker Mayfield in particular, and Kyle Trask, and we're, I'm not going to put all of the stock in those off-season videos from OTAs where they're just, I mean, sky and missing tight ends by about three feet above their head in the in the offseason at the offseason activities um i'm not putting all of my my eggs in that basket but i feel like i've seen enough both in game and out of game uh to know that these these qbs are not very good for the tampa bay buccaneers i'll just i'll just put it to you that way and the fact that we haven't seen Kyle Trask at any point, and the fact that they didn't just roll with Kyle Trask this year after sitting behind Tom Brady for several years at this point, well, several, two or three years at this point, should tell you just about all you need to know about Kyle Trask. Former second-round pick, you'd think if they had any juice in the tank, they would just roll with the guy. Instead, they signed Baker Mayfield this offseason, and I'm not sure you need to know much else about Kyle Trask's bona fides. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he comes in at some point this season and plays well. I am not banking on that, though, and for that reason, they are probably looking at a last-place finish in the division this year, because I think the division overall is better. The, the Bucks, though, are worse than they were last year by virtue of that QB. I just feel infinitely worse about them this year because they didn't really have a succession plan at quarterback, like I said, uh, so now they've got a QB battle of the century, Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask. Don't really believe in Todd Bowles. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think Todd Bowles, very, very good defensive coordinator, conservative to a fault as a head coach, and that's the that's the best way to describe it. He made some made some decisions last year. We were like, I, I guess that's not technically wrong, but come on, dude, come on, you gotta you gotta roll the dice every once in a while, especially when you got a quarterback back there. And really, in the modern NFL, it's if you want to compete, you gotta roll the dice sometimes. And hey, maybe he does that this year. Maybe he recognizes that and does that this year. Maybe goes on fourth down a little bit more, punts a little bit less, uh, builds out from there as far as the aggression goes. I've not seen it in any of the years thus far that Todd Bowles has been a head coach, though. So. Open to being proven wrong, as usual. Don't think I will be. With that, though, let's talk about the personnel. As I do not have the... Oh, I do have my pictures pulled up. How about that? Have a little bit more faith in yourself there, Caleb. Um, let's look at what we've got. Um, those are the depth charts. Oh, yes, the draft for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First off, in the first round, they got Kalijah Cansey, who I really like that pick. I think he's going to, I think yeah, I picked him for my defensive rookie of the year because oh, that's kind of a crapshoot sort of award there uh, based on the inconsistencies of production on the defensive side of the ball sometimes. Don't need to get into all that, that vagary, of course. But Kalijah Cansey, 
I really like I, I like his athleticism. I think uh, he's going to be in, put in a position, especially with Vita Vea next to him, where I don't know if he's going to be getting those sorts of double teams. And I think in pass rush situations, he's got an athleticism mismatch that you simply can't account for at the defensive tackle position. I mean, my God, the guy ran a, a four six in the forty, uh, blew everyone out of the water in the quickness category. Yes, he is shorter. He is kind of undersized for a defensive tackle, but at the same time, the athleticism speaks for itself. There's a reason he was a top 20 pick this year in the draft and was projected in the in the first round basically no matter what uh even if it was later in the first round for a lot of those projections uh he went in the first round because he is that sort of a talent there and people see a short defensive well i say short he's like six foot but a shorter defensive tackle and they think to themselves my god that's aaron donald 2.0 right there i have to take him um so yeah that being said I have fallen for that mental trap as well. Low center of gravity on the defensive line cannot be understated for how important that is. I mean, center of gravity, uh, low man wins. It's the biggest cliche of all time in, in football, but it really does hold true. And when you got that low center of gravity and power, that's the that's the special sauce that gets Aaron Donald uh, past uh, opponents on the other side of the field. It makes him unstoppable. Uh, the quickness is gonna what gonna be what Kalijah Kansi um, really stands out for. I think in his rookie year, I think he's gonna have a pretty good year on that defensive side of the ball. After that second round, they got Cody Mock. You may remember him as the guy who started as a six foot five, two hundred thirty pound tight end, just a nice looking young boy coming into college at North Dakota State. And when he left, he had grown his hair not cut it once while in college and lost all of his front teeth that is the transformation of the century right there that's how you become a second round pick at offensive guard offensive tackle whatever he is he's going to start immediately though because like i said not a very good line there for the the tampa bay buccaneers and i honestly have no idea how good cody mock is i just know or cody cody mosh mouse i don't know man you, ne you never know what these sorts of things mock sounds right though I mean, it's it's a C-H at the end of his name, but Mock sounds right. So I'm going with Cody Mock until I'm told otherwise on a broadcast. But yeah, I don't know how good he is, but he's going to start immediately just based on need and the fact that they took him in the second round. And the depth chart that, that I'm going to talk about here in just a second says the exact same thing. So let's just keep moving. They got Yaya Diaby in the in the sec third round, rather. Um, great name, defensive end. Also, I don't know if he's necessarily a plug-and-play because they do have a little bit of depth there at defensive end, but he should see uh, a prominent role this year being that third-round pick. And then after that, I mean, they got Payne Durham in the fifth round. Great name, absolute fire name out of Purdue. Uh, he is a tight end. Um kind of thin there, so he might see some action. Outside of that, um, no running backs drafted later, so let's just keep it moving at this point. Look at the free agency, uh, at least the top-line free agency for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they retained Jamel Dean in, I mean, seemed like a last-second push that got him all the way to the end there. Kind of came out of nowhere to re-sign Jamel Dean when it was all said and done, but good for them for doing it. Uh, another addition to that defense. Like I said, defense not looking bad this year. Uh, they lose Raheem Nunez-Rochez, though, on a three-year deal to the New York Giants. That one's going to hurt as far as the depth in the interior goes. Uh, retain Anthony Nelson, outside linebacker. Levante David, they retain. Uh, Keanu Neal, they lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Baker Mayfield comes in uh, from the Rams via the Panthers last year. Bounced all around, and I don't know if that's going to be necessarily changing after this year. He's only on a one-year deal with Tampa. Uh, they lose Sean Murphy Bunting, like I said. 
said to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Gain Greg Gaines defensive tackle uh, from the LA Rams last year. One of the many and all of the starters outside of Aaron Donald and I think it was Ernest Jones that uh, that are returning starters on the defense for the Rams this year. It's going to be good. Going to be a good time over there in LA, but that's not who we're talking about right now. At least not in the context of this division of the NFC South. Let's just keep it moving. Uh, they lose Mike Edwards to the Kansas City Chiefs, lose Donovan Smith to the Kansas City Chiefs, and I believe they traded their guard, Shaq Mason, to the Houston Texans. So already thin on offensive line, they just decide to make it even thinner over there. That should help, especially with the quarterback situation they've got right now. Uh, lose Josh Wells to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bring in Ryan Neal. Strong. Josh Wells, by the way, right tackle. So another offensive line out of the building. Uh, lose Blaine Gabbard to Kansas City. That one's going to hurt. That one's going to hurt. That's probably the start of this year if, if you know, he would have stuck around. But nope, he's going to Kansas City. Well, actually, no, where is he going? He is going to Kansas City. A lot, of, a lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Kansas City. I'll tell you what. Um, Scotty Miller going to Atlanta. And you got uh, Deidre Sinat. No one knows who that is. I don't have to talk about him. There's your free agency for you, though. So it feels like they lost more than they brought in there uh, at the key positions that I was talking about, like offensive line specifically. Uh, and quarterback, they lost a pretty good bit this season. But that comes together to get to the depth chart. Obviously, Baker Mayfield slated as the, the starter right now with Kyle Trask and John Wolford as the second and third. And with the new rules this year in the NFL, they will be able to have three QBs out there uh, in uniform on Sunday, which, so, I mean, good for them, I suppose. Uh, running back, you got Rashad White, Chase Edmonds, who I think they might have signed this offseason as well. Uh, and you got Keyshawn Vaughn as the third. And who cares about the fourth string? They're probably not going to see the field barring an injury. Um, at wide receiver, we got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, like I said. Not really a whole lot of depth beyond that. Uh, they got uh, Trey Palmer, who they drafted this year. Um, not very deep, but a solid top line there as far as Ed Evans, Godwin, Gage goes. Um, after that, tight end, Kate Otten, still the number one tight end. Payne Durham, the number two right now as it's slated. Uh, with Keeft at the number three. What a name, Keeft. Uh, in the offensive line, obviously, like I said, Tristan Wirfs at left tackle. You got Matt Filer at the left guard. Ryan Jensen coming back. I thought he retired before last season. Comes out of retirement. Decides, you know what? Even without Tom Brady there, that drug football, I cannot get enough of it. So he's back for another season at center there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cody Mock, Mach. I'm gonna start calling him Mach. I'm I'm a I'm a big old fat pussy. So I'm just, I'm just gonna you know back down and call him Mach now. But He's starting at right guard right now. Uh, right tackle, Luke Godek, Go Godecki? I don't know. Uh, again, these... The, the, the vagaries of white people names sometimes, man. It, it just it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, just the, the various pronunciations, man. Would you believe that English is not the only language spoken in the world? What? How about that? I mean, that's just weird. Uh, anyways, with all of that said, all of that coming together, you got a pretty full picture of the offense. Let's look at the defense. Almost forgot to do the defense. I am a big dumb dipshit sometimes. But... Right now, starting on the defensive line, we got first-round pick Kalaja Kansi at the defensive end. 3-4 defensive end, by the way, so it's basically uh, 
three interior defensive linemen that are playing in that front three. So, Kalijah Kansi at the uh, left defensive end, Logan Hall at the right defensive end, no, nose tackle, Vita Vea still in there, causing all sorts of congestion in the middle, doing what he does best. Very, very good defensive tackle historically. Getting up there in age, though, so we'll have to see how that all plays out this year. At the linebacker, you still got Joe Tryon Shoyenka uh, coming off the edge there. Shaquille Barrett coming off the other side, uh, coming off, I believe, a ACL injury, something like kind of a major injury to end last season uh, after signing a big deal there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he he'll be coming back. A lot like Harold Landry in the last episode, we'll have to wait and see what he looks like coming back off that injury. Uh, Levante David and Devin White at the inside linebacker, solid right there. You could do much worse than Levante David and Devin White there in the middle. Yes, Devin White, who's to say how long he sticks around? I... Did he sign a did he sign an extension? I can't remember. If I were a better host, I would know that right now. But who's to say how long Devin White is there? Levante David maybe a little bit long in the tooth, but for right now, I'm just going to assume they are as dynamic as they have been in previous years. And if they are, you're cooking with gas there in the front seven. And on the back end, Jamel Dean, uh Ryan Neal, Antoine Winfield Jr., uh Ryan Neal and, and Antoine Winfield. Um are the safeties on this defense Carlton Davis at the corner on the other side and you got to worry about the depth a little bit at at, at corner uh the backups on the on the right is Zion McCollum who I have heard of I just don't really know a whole lot and on the other side it's D Delaney who I definitely have not heard of uh one time so you got to be a little bit worried about the depth back there but it looks good on the uh, like a lot of this team it looks very good on the top line the depth might ultimately but be what hurts them in the end here oh and by the way they pick up uh <laughs> this one i f i totally forgot about this but this is hilarious i believe chase mclaughlin was the kicker on the colts last year that ended up taking rodrigo blankenship's job Rodrigo Blankenship is currently the second kicker on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. They are once again fighting for a job in training camp. This is just this wonderful serendipity right here. I, I love it so much. And if Hot Rod comes in and takes Chase McLaughlin's job right out from under him, that would be electric. Absolutely electric storylines right there. So, honestly, I, I would have liked to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Hard Knocks just for that sort of storyline alone and literally nothing else because I don't find them to be a very interesting team. Probably why they chose the Jets instead, because they actually have a lot of very good personalities on that team. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers, so it is what it is there. That's the that's the roster, though. And when I put all that together, when I look at that, with the quarterback situation, I still think their ceiling is eight wins this year. I do not see them getting above, above 500. Um, they haven't been good on the ground for, for several, I don't know about several years, but uh, last couple years now, they haven't been very good on the ground. Um, defense is solid right now. Weapons are solid, but when you don't have a quarterback to get those weapons the ball, when you can't have, when you can't rely on the run game, especially if you're getting the box loaded on you like every single time because they don't believe in you as a passer. I mean, take it from someone who knows uh, being a Vikings fan, we started 5-0 one year. Uh, I believe it was with, uh, I want to say, like Sam Bradford or someone like that. Offense was just god-awful. Sam Bradford was like on pace for a uh, completion percentage record, so good for him on that one. But he, I mean, 
a lot like sometimes you see he let me stop myself there Kirk Cousins is better than Sam Bradford make no mistake about it but they kind of played a similar style at times where it's a lot of check downs not a whole lot of pushing the ball down the field and when they are pushing the ball down the field you're like why did you do that I don't I didn't I didn't agree to that decision right there that's definitely not what should be happening um but here's the thing that's kind of why I'm talking about this if you don't have an offense yes that that defense can get you to five and oh but what happened the rest of the season? They went three and eight from there, finished eight and eight on the season, missed the playoffs because they did not have the offense pick up at all. And after a while, the defense just gets tired and demoralized, and eventually the back will break. And if that happens, eight and nine. And I feel like that is the best case scenario because they simply don't have a quarterback. I do not think they will be any good on offense this year, especially with the turnover you get on offense, uh, not having the same quarterback, not having the same offensive coordinator, basically a whole clean slate on that side of the ball. I don't think it's good when you're, you're bringing in, um, a new quarterback who I'm not all, all that sold on and your backup is a guy that I'm certainly not all that sold on. So eight wins, that's the ceiling for me. And the floor, it's dire. <laughs> the floor is dire. I mean, I put four wins down here. I would say even three wins is an acceptable uh, sort of floor. They are not that good this year at quarterback in specific, which could ultimately kill them, uh, could ultimately not do very well for them. I there, there is a very real possibility they absolutely stink this year. There's, there's a reason why I picked them to be the number one overall pick. My prediction, though, goodness, got to suppress that burp. Be strong, Caleb. Ah, my prediction, though, five and twelve. That's you know that that's my conservative prediction. There, kind of leaning towards four and thirteen. Either way, I think they're going to have probably the worst record in, in in the league just based on the quarterback situation. That's and again, I keep saying it because. I don't want I don't want it to get twisted, man. I don't think their roster is that bad. I just don't believe in their head coach, and I certainly don't believe in their quarterbacks right now. And I have no idea what their offensive scheme is going to look like. And I honestly don't know if you can, we can really trust what this offensive scheme looks like uh, with the quarterbacks that they have to work with. Uh, the, really. Sure, you can look like a genius by working around your quarterback in this situation, but I don't. I don't know, man. I, I don't know exactly um, what you can expect from this team this year. I just don't think it's not going to be fun. Not going to be a fun year down in Tampa, and that that's all. End this thing. Five and twelve is my prediction, though. Probably last place in the division this year. All right, so let's move on to the Panthers. And you want to talk about a team in a transitional period? That is the Panthers right now. Matt Rule is uh, out of the organization, uh, passed on hiring head coach Steve, interim head coach, rather, Steve Wilkes, uh, to the full-time gig. So, in comes Frank Reich, fresh off a tumultuous final season in Indy, which saw him fire midseason. Uh, Jeff Saturday coming in and being maybe the worst interim coach of all time. Maybe, well, maybe not the worst, but did not uh, necessarily earn a much of a job interview, even if he did get one after going through that whole thing. Um, the main thing that he's being given, though, with the Panthers that he never got with the Colts, that is Frank Reich I'm talking about, is the opportunity to mold a young QB. That is a top draft pick. We're not forcing some older guy on you. We're not having Andrew Luck retire right out from under you to start off the gig. Nope, we have got you the number one overall pick. We traded up to get him, and we think you are the guy that's going to mold him into the next great quarterback in this league. That is, of course, Bryce Young, who I'm talking about, that they bring in. I mean, the, the owner, David Tepper, spared no expense in assembling Reich's staff 
as well. Basically just looked like Frank Wright came in with a wish list of like, hey, could you get me all of these unattainable names? And David Tepper's like, yeah, my pocketbook is limitless. So let's go hire all of them. I mean, let's, let's, I mean, veritable all-star crew on the staff right now. You got Thomas Brown at OC, who I apologize to that man. I don't know who you are, but I wish you all the best. Josh McCown is QB coach. Deuce Staley at the assistant head coach and running backs coach. Deuce Staley last year, star of hard knocks with the Detroit Lions. Also very good coach. Look at how those running backs performed over the last several seasons under Deuce, not several, but two seasons under Deuce Staley as the with the head coach being uh God, I really put myself in the corner there. Fuck man, Dan Campbell, that's the guy. Just had to use his voice real quick to get his name back in my head. Um but yes, that you got Josh McCown at QB coach, obviously former journeyman quarterback, also pretty good towards the end of his career. He doesn't really get a whole lot of credit, but athletic, good quarterback, good decision maker. I trust him as the the quarterback's coach. Jim Caldwell at senior assistant, former Indianapolis guy as well there. He should be a good brain to bounce things off of. And the hottest free agent DC on the market, Ijiro Ivero, former Broncos defensive coordinator. Broncos defense, really the only spotlight, only highlight that you can look back on fondly if you're a Broncos fan this year. Not a very good year at all, but that defense with the Giro Avero was playing very, very well. And he, on the strength of that, got a bunch of head coaching interviews, just got basically passed up. So he's on the he goes back on the market as defensive coordinator. There's a bidding war between the Vikings and the Panthers, and I think there's probably one other team in there. The Panthers win that bidding war because David Tepper uh, has a limitless money bag that he can reach down into and just give all the coaches all the money. Uh, fair is fair on that front. They also got Dom Capers at senior defensive uh, assistant, a longtime defensive coordinator in the league, a, a guy that you seriously would like to have in the room to, at, at the very least, get his opinion, bounce ideas off of scheme-wise, uh, come up with some new creative stuff probably, and see if maybe that'll work just based on having him in the in the room. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a staff right there, and there's many, many more that I'm not even mentioning right now. Not to mention as well, they hit the skill positions hard in free agency in a way that Chris Ballard simply has never done with the Colts. Certainly didn't do it when Frank Reich was in town and still hasn't as of this offseason with Shane Steichen in town too. Did not really add a whole lot of top line names at skill positions in free agency. Not that it was a deep class, but don't know if they were really in the final running for any of those sorts of guys this year. I digress, though. Not to, I already met that mentioned that. We'll get the specific personnel here in a second. But with all those moves put together, it comes out to result in a really solid offensive line, which they already kind of had that in place, kind of finished it out by drafting Iki Aquanu last year, and that was really the strength of their team that got them more wins than I, I actually really expected last year, especially down the stretch from the way they started, and a defense that is shaping up to be the absolute strength of the team. I mean, they have got stars up and down that unit, and they are really on the brink of a breakout season if the team results can follow suit. I really like the Panthers this year, man. So let's look at the personnel here. 
Uh, first off, in the draft, we have got Bryce Young, number one overall. Already knew that. Draft Jonathan Mingo in the second round out of Ole Miss. Kind of uh, got, got DK Metcalf comparisons, obviously, because, you know, analysts are lazy and they're like, oh, he's a big, strong guy that runs fast in a straight line that went to Ole Miss. He's DK Metcalf. But, I mean, that's basically, I mean, he's like 6'1". 230, runs like a 4440, uh, 44, maybe 45, somewhere in there. Uh, freakish sort of athlete. Maybe not as tall as, as DK Metcalf, but the comparisons do hold up. And I don't know if he necessarily had the greatest quarterbacks in the world throwing him the ball when he was with Ole Miss. So. Going here to the Carolina Panthers, going to have an opportunity to really step up in his rookie year and, and produce. Um, with Adam Thielen in the room, by the way, too, which we'll get to in a second when we talk about the person, the personnel added through free agency, that cannot be understated. Maybe not so much on the field, because I don't know how much Adam Thielen has left in the tank, quite frankly, on the field. But in the locker room, on the practice field, showing some of these young guys just good habits to follow uh, going forward. It cannot be understated the value that Adam Thielen brings to the organization. I wish he was still a Viking if only we could have made things work. But, buddy, you're getting way more money with the Panthers than the Vikings would have ever paid you. So, good on you. I miss you. The Panthers are going to get a very good wide receiver, though. But back to the, the draft at hand here. Uh, DJ Johnson, linebacker out of Oregon, they drafted as well. Uh, Chandler Zavala in the fourth round at guard out of NC State, and they drafted a safety out of Florida State in the fifth round. There's there is your 2023 uh, NFL draft for the Carolina Panthers. They traded a lot to get Bryce Young. What can I say? And with all of that, let's look at the free agency, shall we? Just talked about Adam Thielen. Love that pickup. Maybe maybe not his best uh, anymore on the field. As far as in the locker room, you could not ask for a better guy to have around a young team. Uh, running back, they pick up Miles Sanders. Big-time pickup from the Philadelphia Eagles. He has rushed for 1,000 yards for several straight seasons, I think. One of the more underrated running backs in the entire league. Didn't matter who the head coach was there. He was getting like four, five yards of carry every single season. Maybe didn't have as many reps that would have... Helped him shine more on the overall rushing rankings uh, statistics, but he is going to be very, very good with this Carolina Panthers team. Uh, Vaughn Bell, they pick up from the Cincinnati Bengals, one of the two safeties they lost this year. We'll talk about uh, where the other safety went in the division, by the way, with the Atlanta Falcons. But right now, Vaughn Bell, adding to an already stacked defense, he is making it even better with his play. Uh, they bring in Hayden Hurst, another very good safety blanket type of guy to bring in for Bryce Young in free agency. That's a very good tight end upgrade over what they had last year for sure. Uh, Shy Tuttle they bring in from New Orleans. Uh, Bradley Bozeman they, they retain on this team. Very good center that they keep around. Uh, Andy Dalton they bring in as a a mentor type of bridge QB if he needs to be, but it feels like Bryce Young is going to be starting from day one there, so not necessarily a bridge, more of just a mentor because he's been around for a while and he's never been terrible. He's just not necessarily been a starter down the stretch of his career. Uh, the big wide receiver addition this offseason that I think is going to make an immediate impact, DJ Chark, they signed to a one-year deal uh, out of Detroit last year, was the number one receiver in Detroit last year and played well when he was on on the field. 
You lose Sam Darnold to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, also, Philip Walker or PJ that's never never ever heard of him called Philip Walker he's PJ Walker in my mind PJ Walker goes to the Chicago Bears which makes sense similar sort of playing style with with uh Justin Fields uh Eddie Pinheiro they keep around another year Corey Littleton they lost to the Houston Texans uh Deontay Foreman also lost him to Chicago over there fuck the Bears I'll tell you what uh Justin McCray at 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 guard they bring in from Houston uh Deshaun Williams they bring in from Denver at the Ajiro Evero connection uh, helped make that one happen. They maintain, they retain Cam Irving, and they add Demir Bird, wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons. So with that, let's look at the overall depth chart here, shall we? Obviously, Bryce Young, number one at quarterback right now. He'll probably start from day one. Miles Sanders right now is the running back. He'll probably start all the way through. I don't know why I said right now. You don't pay him that kind of money in free agency, especially not the level of player he is, and then just don't start him. He will He will be the starter for sure. Chuba Hubbard, the backup at this moment. Oh, by the way, they drafted Matt Corral last year, Old Miss QB. Um, he'll be the third-string quarterback, so... Good, good for good for him. I suppose I don't really care so much once you get to the NFL whether you went to Ole Miss or not. But there you go. Um, at wide receiver, you got Adam Thielen slated as the number one. Don't believe that. Uh, DJ Chark at number two. I think he's probably the number one. Terrace Marshall the number three with Jonathan Mingo and Lavisca Chenault coming in at four and five, respectively. Lavisca Chenault uh, especially is a guy that I think you got to watch because. I think with a more creative offensive mind, he can be a very, very solid gadget player for you. He's fast, he's versatile, very good running after the catch when he's got the ball in his hands. I think they're going to get him involved in a lot of behind-the-lines action, a lot of motion, a lot of stuff to kind of get him in the open field in space, see if he can make a play. I really like uh, LaVisca Chenault in this offense this year. Jonathan Mingo, I think, should make... Uh, a big impact just based on him being a second round pick uh kind of sort of divisional familiarity with Bryce Young being in the SEC West with him as well and you got a, a better offensive coach in Frank Wright to see if you can kind of utilize him a little bit better Terrace Marshall Jr. still got no idea who that guy is he hasn't really produced very well since he was drafted I believe two years ago um sure Matt Rule not the greatest um NFL head coach in the world that might have something to do with it but uh, he's going to need Adam Thielen and him have got to have a lot of long talks about route running and just playing a good wide receiver at the NFL level. Hey, maybe with Bryce Young as his quarterback, he will break out and shine. Solidly middle of the pack, lower middle of the pack sort of uh, receiving core, though. I don't really think super low of them. I don't think very highly of them either, though. Uh, tight end Hayden Hurst. I really like Hayden Hurst there in this offense. I think um, they're not going to ask him to do a whole lot of blocking. He's serviceable at that, but you you want him there as a safety blanket. Good after the catch. Good when you get the ball in his hands 
and can just kind of just be that safety blanket for Bryce Young. I like having him in this offense. Uh, I got Giovanni Giovanni Ricci at the fullback right now, uh, and then on the offensive line, you got Ike Aquanu, Brady Christensen, uh, Bradley Bozeman, Austin Corbett, Taylor Moten. That is your starting five, I believe, coming back from last year. The strength of the offense last year, I think it's the strength of the offense once again this year, and it's going to make everything they do a little bit easier, especially having Bryce Young, kind of an undersized quarterback back there, uh, so he doesn't get killed in this season. That's really all you can ask for from him. And with that, I am looking at a ceiling of 10 wins for the Carolina Panthers. I think there is a world where they don't win this division yet still go to the playoffs. I think they are that good, and the NFC is admittedly that weak this year. I definitely could see them getting 10 wins. I definitely, behind that offensive line that they've got with Bryce Young back there, maybe getting a little bit more time than he would if he went to, say, the Chicago Bears uh, this, this past season. I do think, and the, the receivers, I think, are, are serviceable enough to get open. You got a good offensive coach in Frank Wright that never really had, got a fair shake, I think, with the Colts. Never got a great QB situation to go into. I think the situation this year is better than he had in basically every year that he was with the Colts going forward. Um, I think that defense is absolutely nasty. I think they're going to be, this Panthers team, in its ceiling, should be competing for the division. I think their floor right now is seven wins. I think no matter what, they're not going to be terrible. Seven and ten is kind of the floor of what I see. And that's kind of if, you know, you get in some close games and you lose them, everything kind of goes wrong. That, that happens with young teams and really just NFL teams in general sometimes. So you can't really hold that against them if it happens. That's kind of the floor I see, though. Uh, seven, seven and ten probably. Um, with that defense, I don't think they're ever going to let them be out of a lot of games this season. I think they're going to be in a lot of competitive games, even if they aren't winning some of those games. If my prediction this year, I'm going to say 9-8. and eight. I think they could get 10 wins. I think they will be competing until late in the year for this division, but I just don't know... I don't. They're young. That that's the main thing. They got a young quarterback in Bryce Young. Uh, they've got some some young guys on the offense, up and down the the offense. They've not really ever competed with this core. I'm not sure they're necessarily ready to take that next step into the playoffs just yet. But I think they're going to be right on the doorstep this year. Nine and eight is my prediction for them. I think they're going to be going to have a lot of good progress from what they showed last year. They're just going to be just short. Next year, I think, is a year where they should really be pushing for the playoffs, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Up next, we're getting to the bottom half of the division from last year. The Saints, year two under head coach Dennis Allen. Uh, if it were up to me, or, or not me, but many of the fans in New Orleans, he would not be there for year two. So, him and him and Pete Carmichael have you know got more of a chance to improve uh, from their their tough question questionable starts in the, the first year. Am I making any sense right now? Um, I don't necessarily um, I don't necessarily believe in them, but I'm I'm open to being proven wrong as per usual. They got Derek Carr stepping in as a new franchise quarterback. At least that was that's what you're hoping. Paying him over a hundred million dollars over three years. Uh, better offensive line to work with than he's had in several seasons with the Raiders, though still not a fantastic offensive line, admittedly. They got some uh, restructuring I think they're going to have to do over the next couple years. Specifically, like next year feels like uh, there's going to come a moment where they have to kind of purge a lot of names that fans have become familiar with. I'm looking at you, Andrews Pete. Um, I, I apologize. I hope you get paid some sort of a buyout, some sort of settlement. I'm not sure that that's how that works in the NFL, but uh, it's not looking good 
Not not looking good. Fans don't necessarily like your contract. My fans, I mean old co-host Zach, who I'm going to be going on vacation with here soon, and I cannot wait to get on that vacation. But I digress. When you're listening to this, I'll be on that vacation for a good several days at that point. So, you enjoy life. I'm on vacation right now. But in the lead-up to that vacation, keeping on talking here, they didn't make any noteworthy changes, did the Saints getting back to them here. To the receiving core, lost a bevy of contributors on the front seven. Uh, but with that said, if Derek Carr provides like even an ounce of juice at the quarterback, Saints could very easily improve from last season. I mean, it's not uh, the bar is not very high. I mean, they were seven and ten, three-way tie at seven and ten at the bottom of the division there in the NFC South. So, so I mean, the, the ceiling is the roof for this team if you, you kind of look at it from last year's results, but. I mean, if, if nothing else, the secondary should give um, Allen and the vets like Cam Jordan ample opportunity to field a solid defensive unit next year. Um, but, you know, as was the case last season, I'm less than sold on the merits of Pete Carmichael at offensive coordinator. I'm less than sold on Den Dennis Allen as a head coach. Pete Carmichael in particular seat is the hottest coming into the 2023 season, I would say, though, because Dennis Allen can probably get himself another year if they have a bad one this year. If he says, hey, the offense was the problem. I mean, I can I can get this thing going if I get a different offensive coordinator. Pete Carmichael gets shit canned. They bring in a different offensive coordinator, and then inevitably in the following year, same thing happens, Dennis Allen probably goes. I, what I'm saying is at most, it feels like Dennis Allen is a three-year project. I, I would be shocked if he got farther than that. But again, like everything on this show, open to being proven wrong. More than happy uh, to see success from someone uh, at any given time. But with all of that said, let's look at the personnel here, folks, starting with the draft. They get Brian Bressy in the first round defensive tackle out of Clemson. Uh, Isaiah Foskey, defensive end out of Notre Dame in the second round. And right there at one and two, first and second round, you get two defensive starters there. Isaiah Foskey in particular maybe didn't shine athletically at the combine, but one of the most productive players in all of college football rushing the passer over the last several seasons. I think he's going to have some impact on the opposite side of Cam Jordan this year. And Brian Bressy, just by virtue of, of being there, is going to be pressed into service, not only because he's a first-round pick, but because, like I said, they lost a bevy of guys in that front seven uh, over the course of last year. Third round, they draft Kendra Miller, running back out of TCU. And depending on how this suspension goes with Alvin Kamara, he's either going to be the second string running back or the first string for a good stretch of the year. You're going to see a lot of Kendra Miller this year down in New Orleans, if I had to guess. Uh, at fourth round, you get offensive tackle out of Old Dominion, Nick Salvieri. Salvieri? 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 Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said before, white people names are sometimes nebulous to pronounce. But uh, draft Jake Hayner in the fourth round, quarterback out of Fresno State. And then after, oh yes, by the way, sixth round, usually don't talk about players this late, especially not at wide receiver, but A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest, 6'5 guy, very fast on a straight line, uh, very good receiver with Sam Hartman at Wake Forest over the last uh, couple years there. Don't be surprised, especially in a wide receiver that, like I said, did not add a whole lot this year, really didn't add at all in free agency. Don't be surprised if A.T. Perry comes out there and contributes in ways that he was not expected to. Even though he is a six-round pick, he's got size, he's got speed. I'm interested to see what that all shapes out to be. Maybe it shapes out to be nothing, but I'm interested to see it all happen nonetheless. 
Uh, let's look at the draft. Actually, not, but just looked at the draft. So let's look at something else, shall we? Let's look at the free agency. Obviously, they bring in Derek Carr on a four-year deal. That's old news. We all knew that. He's the starting quarterback there, obviously. They lose David Onyemata out of the middle at defensive tackle. He goes to Atlanta. We'll talk about them in a second. Basically, the strategy in Atlanta was add all the defensive players and let Artie Smith figure it out on the other side of the ball. I am very interested to see how they go. And spoiler alert, I'm very high on the Atlanta Falcons this year, but let's stick with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Caden Ellis, outside linebacker, he goes to Atlanta as well. Uh, Shy Tuttle goes to Carolina. A lot of in interdivision movement here, I'll tell you what, uh, from these New Orleans Saints. Uh, Nathan Shepard comes from the New York Jets defensive end. Uh, he, he signed a three-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. Marcus Davenport goes to Skull Vikes, baby. Love it. Um, Kalen Saunders comes over from KC, a defensive tackle as well. Foster Moreau comes over from Las Vegas as well with Derek Carr. You may remember Foster Moreau had that uh, that. Uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma scare earlier in the offseason has been cleared, is back, so good for him. Love a feel-good story. Um, Jamal Williams comes over from the Detroit Lions. You may remember him breaking Barry Sanders' rushing touchdown record last year. Sure, extra game, but we're going to put that to the side. Um, he's one of the best short yardage options in the entire league, and I do think the interior of the Saints offensive line is still you know, good quality. So having a jackhammer like that um, in the backfield, hard to understate just how much that can that can swing some offensive momentum when you're in the red zone on the goal line. You need a yard. That yard is harder to get than it would appear. You got a guy like Jamal Williams, you are guaranteed at least a yard on just about every single attempt. That's a big weapon to have in the building. Lose Andy Dalton, but you gain Derek Carr, so I think you'll take that trade just about every time. Deontay Hardy uh, goes to the Buffalo Bills. Justin Evans goes to the Philadelphia Eagles to uh, kind of help solve those safety problems over there. We'll see if he actually does that. Uh, Kentavious Street. Uh, defensive end goes to the Philadelphia Eagles as well. And after that, you just got a, a bunch of names here. Oh, yes, look at that. Former Hale State alumni went there at the same time as me. I watched him, helmet to helmet, get ejected in a spring game. That This guy is an absolute maniac. Jonathan Abram coming over from the Seattle Seahawks by way of the Las Vegas Raiders last season. He's bouncing around because he is, um, you don't want him in coverage. I'll just put it to you that way. You want him to hit the shit out of people. You just don't want him to be in coverage for too long because he's not very good at it. So good box safety, though. He'll hit the hell out of you. Um, uh, and, and obviously, you got Tyron Matthew back there to do a little bit more of the covered stuff. So having Jonathan Abram around, uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out. Hasn't worked out great before, but I'm open to being proven wrong just about every time. Uh, before that, let's look at the depth chart, shall we? On the offense, they've got Derek Carr at quarterback. Jameis Winston, the backup, he's returning for another year. Uh, Dalvin Cook, not Dalvin Cook, This he's, he's unemployed right now. I hope he gets a job here soon. Alvin Kamara, 
that Alvin and Dalvin tripped me up. Uh, but Alvin Kamara is the starting running back right now. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Jamal Williams is the second string running back. He'll probably step in as a starter. Unlike what I said, because I forgot about Jamal Williams signing in free agency about Kendra Miller. Jamal Williams will probably step in as the starter if Alvin Kamara is suspended for before the season. And Kendra Miller will still probably play a pretty good role being a third round pick in the backfield there. Pretty deep at, at running back right now are the New Orleans Saints. I think they probably want to run the ball pretty aggressively this year. At wide receiver, you got Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, who maybe he'll stay healthy, maybe not. It's the biggest what-if of the offseason, I believe, for the New Orleans Saints, and it is every single year because that's just how Michael Thomas's career has gone since he broke the receptions record in one season a couple years ago. Uh, and then you got the funnest name in all of NFL, all of football in general, I would say, Outside of uh, DeColdis Crawford, great name. I don't know where he's at now in college football, but DeColdis Crawford, also Mobility at North Texas, cornerback Mobility, fantastic name, love that. Uh, outside of that, in the NFL level, Rashid Shahid, fantastic name. He's the third wide receiver right now, which should give you pause as a fan because I'm not sure he's the guy you want as your third receiver, but we'll see how it all works out there. I mean, you got Michael Thomas, and if he stays in the lineup, you have a very good uh, receiving group there. Also, Traquan Smith, A.T. Perry, rounding out the top five for the receivers this year uh, with the Saints. Uh, fullback, they got Adam Prentice. Tight end, don't want to don't want to skip over tight end. Jawan Johnson, they re-signed in, in uh, free agency, or didn't he wasn't in free agency, but they they signed him to a uh, an extension, I believe, this offseason. Uh, came on strong last year, showed him some things, earned that extension. Uh, and I think he'll continue to play well, especially with Derek Carr at quarterback. Foster Moreau is the second string tight end. And don't forget about Taysom Hill, man. Just one of the more dangerous gadget guys in the entire league. Created a whole new role for a lot of guys that are versatile uh, in offenses uh, over the course of his career. He will still be used. He's a skeleton key for every defense that he runs into. Uh, he will be valuable, uh, no question about it. On the offensive line, last year's first round pick, Trevor Penning stepping in at left tackle right now. Got Andrews Pete at left guard. We'll see about that. Eric McCoy at center, Cesar Ruiz at right guard, and Ryan Ramchek, the ageless Ryan Ramchek at right tackle. Good as ever. Oh, by the way, Storm Norton. Did not know that Storm Norton went over to the New Orleans Saints this offseason. Didn't he just sign a deal with the uh uh, with uh, the the Rams last year, or was it the or was it the Chargers? I don't know. Either way, he's a backup now for the New Orleans Saints. For so uh, bringing a starter from a different guy or from a different team, make him a backup. That's depth, baby. That's depth. Uh, but there you go with the offense overall. I don't hate this offensive personnel. I just don't. I don't. I don't necessarily believe in Pete Carmichael, and it's not just such overpowering personnel at the skill positions, at the line, at quarterback, running back. Well, really, running running back probably the strongest position on the offense right now. So you got that going for you. You got a defensive head coach. So seems like we've got a. We are of one mind as to what to do this offseason, I believe. So maybe they'll run the shit out of the ball. Maybe they'll play behind their defense, but. I don't hate this offense. I just don't necessarily love it either. It kind of screams middle of the pack to me, if you ask me. Oh, excuse me. Let's look at the defense, though. 
You got Cam Jordan, Nathan Shepard, Kalen Saunders, uh, Carl Granderson as your front four, and then you got uh, Brian Bressy or Brian Bressy and Isaiah Foskey lurking in the wings. They're very, very deep front four. You got uh, should be fun to watch, and then you got Pete Werner stepping in, Demario Davis, Zach Bond stepping in as well. A uh, couple young guys that you're not necessarily sure about in the linebacker core, but you've still got Demario Davis there. Pete Werner played well last season as well, so I kind of like what they're dealing with there. And of course, you got Paulson Adebo who came on strong last year. Tyra Matthew who kind of slipped a little bit in some people's eyes. Still very quality, strong safety. And you got Marcus May who you signed in free agency last year. And of course, one of the best corners in the entire league, Marshawn Lattimore on the other side of Paulson Adebo. Bradley Roby and Elante Taylor are your depth at cornerback. Overall, this defense, sure, they're missing some guys all throughout the, 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 the defense there. They, they lost a lot in free agency, but I still think very highly of this team. I still think this, this defense in particular, behind that run game, could win more games than I'm personally expecting, but let's, let's just kind of make that as a transition into what I think the ceiling is. The ceiling still kind of seems like nine wins, they go 9-8. and eight. If they have a winning season, I would think, you know what, they maximize what they had on this roster. I think it's not the strongest division in the entire NFL, but it is a competitive division this year. I think they, they have a, there's a lot of room to drop a lot of games this year. I don't think there is one abjectly terrible team in the entire division outside of the Bucks, and that's not because their personnel is bad. It's because they got a quarterback problem and a head coach problem more than just about anyone else in the division right now, I would say. But it's a tough division, like I was saying. Ceiling for me is nine wins for the... Uh, almost said Las Vegas. Not Las Vegas Raiders no more for Derek Carr. It is the New Orleans Saints. Um, the floor, though, I don't see them having a very low floor. 7-10, and ten, probably what we're looking at here uh, as far as the floor. I mean, the defense is only going to let them be so bad this year. I don't think, even if they do go below 500, I don't see them... I don't see them necessarily dropping a few games. They're going to be in a lot of competitive games this year. I think the NFC South is going to be fun football to watch from a competitive standpoint. I don't necessarily know how any of these teams are going to be playing as far as uh, fun to watch football goes, but it, it should be competitive games if nothing else, and I think the, the Saints are going to play their part in that. I think the defense is going to be good. I think the offense is going to be serviceable if nothing else, and you know what? They're going to win some games you think they shouldn't win. Probably going to lose some games that they probably shouldn't win or shouldn't lose as well, and it's going to come out to, um, in my opinion, 8-9. and nine. That's my prediction for this team, this, this Saints team I just don't think I feel like again I've made no bones about it here here and again like everything else open to being proven wrong but Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael I don't know that I fully believe in them I feel like a lot of the reason they were so good over the course of their careers with the New Orleans Saints is because Sean Payton was running the hell out of the offense and Dennis Allen is a very good defensive coordinator and you know Pete Carmichael never called plays before he was under Dennis Allen and you keep Pete Carmichael around because I guess maybe some of that fairy dust uh, from Sean Payton rubbed off on him in all those years he spent uh, with the New Orleans Saints and them together on the New New Orleans Saints coordinating that offense. I'm just not sure it ended up working out that way. So, I mean, 8-9, and nine, 
We'll see what happens with this coaching staff after this. I'm, I'm not entirely sure they're going to be there for the long haul, and I am abjectly skeptical of whether that will happen as well. So with that, let's roll into the final team that I have got on this list, and that is the Atlanta Falcons. And because they're in last, last year, you may think, oh, man, these lowly Falcons, they stink. They're no good. Expecting to be bad this year as well. Well, you haven't been paying attention if that's how you feel about them because, I mean, you want a worst-to-first candidate? Well, let me state my case here because I have not wavered in my prediction that the Atlanta Falcons will be the best team in the NFC South. I'm picking, I'm picking them right now, and I picked them before to win the NFC South, and I'm sticking to my guns there. They have a solid, uh, solid offensive line that they retain through free agency, a stable of backs, and was only augmented during the draft. One of the best play callers in the league at head coach, and a defense that added about five million pieces over the course of free agency and the draft this year. I mean, the biggest questions lie at quarterback and receiver. Can Desmond Ritter continue the development trajectory that we saw at the end of last season? I don't know. And can Drake London and Kyle Pitts tap more of that explosive potential to augment this receiving core? I mean, did not make a whole lot of splashy moves, did the Atlanta Falcons. Added Jonu Smith, though. Very good blocking tight end to take over some of those duties. So he can make, maybe Kyle Pitts can split out wide a little bit more. Play the receiving sort of tight end that he was meant to play. He is a freak athlete. They've just never been able to open up and unlock that potential for whatever reason ever since they they drafted him. Um, I think this, if you, if there was ever a year they were going to do it, this is the year. Young QB, you just bring in a blocking tight end to take over a few more of those reps so you don't have to worry about blocking so much. You just let the 6'6", absolute athletic freak, fast, big, strong, can jump out of the gym. Just let him go be an absolute athlete out there and let Johnny Smith handle some of the dirty work. He's being paid very handsomely in order to do so right now. I think they've completely overhauled their defensive personnel and will be better as a result, but the Falcons have placed a ton of faith in Arthur Smith this offseason to figure it out on the offensive side of the ball. Again, I've stated it before, observing free agency. I've stated it again a couple times since, but for those of you that haven't heard what the what the Atlanta Falcons basically did this offseason was add 50 million pieces on the defensive side of the ball try to bolster that as much as possible and just kind of stayed pat with a lot of what they had on the offensive side of the ball outside of adding some guys in free agency on the offensive line they just kept kept the faith with what they had added in the draft a little bit more and just said hey Arthur Smith we see you. We think you're a very good offensive coordinator. You're going to have to prove it to us this year because we are going all in on the other side of the ball just saying, hey, if you're as good as we think you are, this should be no problem. All you need is a defense and you will figure out the rest. I'm inclined to believe the same thing. I think he's shown a whole lot over the last couple of years with some bad quarterback play, just how good he can make some of those quarterbacks look, even if they aren't very good uh, when it's all said and done. Um, I think think they uh, the running game will provide Ritter and uh, the receivers with many favorable matchups to exploit and the question is will they take advantage I think you can kind of trust Drake London what will Kyle Pitts do what will the rest of the receivers do who's to say 
I'm inclined to believe that they will play well this season. But let's take a look, closer look at that aforementioned personnel here. Rounding out this personnel look, we are looking at the Atlanta Falcons. First round, draft B. John Robinson out of Texas. One of the best running back prospects we've seen uh, in the 2000s, I think, is probably the way it's being put. Probably the best running back prospect since, like, Adrian Peterson came out in the draft. And a lot of people were higher on B. John Robinson than Adrian Peterson. I think that's asinine, but you, you're inclined to believe... Uh, you can believe whatever you want to believe. I'm not going to stop you from believing that. I think that's just an asinine take there. But Bijan Robinson, uh, for my money, one of the best uh, running back prospects that we've ever seen, for sure. And that's, you know, you put that put that on paper, put it in pen, whatever you want to do. That's Bijan Robinson is absolutely spectacular. And with a run game coordinator like Arthur Smith, oh, oh boy, the, the fantasy hype around him as far as fantasy football goes it's warranted. I'll tell you that right now. Unless they go with a stable of backs this year, Bijan Robinson's going to have probably over 1,500 yards from uh, from scrimmage just on the ground. And outside of uh, being on the ground, he's going to get catches out of the backfield too. And it is going to be He's going to he's gonna fill the stat sheet, folks. Bijan Robinson is going to be very, very good in that offense. I am here to tell you. Uh, they draft Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse in the second round. Offensive guard bolster the middle there a little bit more than what they already had. Uh, draft defensive end Zach Harrison out of Ohio State in the third round. And then you're getting into guys that I've not really heard of. So we'll just we'll just move on from there. you got Clark Phillips, the third out of Utah, uh, at cornerback that you're adding as well. Another guy on defense. And yeah, like I said, a bunch of guys that you haven't heard of, I haven't heard of. So let's just keep it moving. Uh, in free agency, talked about the other Cincinnati safety, Jesse Bates. He's not going to the Carolina Panthers. He's going to the Atlanta Falcons on a four-year deal. I believe it's like 60-some million dollars. He's going to be the new starting safety one of the many defensive additions they made this year. Speaking of defensive additions, they bring in David Onyemata from the uh, New Orleans Saints defensive tackle to bolster the middle. Uh, Caleb McGarry they retain in free agency. Bring in Caden Ellis from the New Orleans Saints as well. Taylor, the ice-cold Heineken Heineke coming over from the Washington football team slash commies slash commanders. Uh, he will be the backup quarterback there to Desmond Ritter this year if all goes wrong. Uh, retain Bradley Pitt. Opinion. Uh, you bring in Calais Campbell off the street to bolster the interior of that, that defensive line. You got Mike Hughes coming in from the Detroit Lions, a former first-round pick of the Minnesota Vikings. He will be playing in Atlanta this year. Isaiah Oliver, they lose him in free agency. He's a cornerback. He goes to San Francisco. Uh, lose Marcus Mariota. Um, they bring in Bud Dupree, actually, outside linebacker, another addition on that side of the ball. Bring in Mac Hollins, wide receiver, formerly of the Las Vegas Raiders. You may remember him uh, grittying down the sidelines of a punt. Fantastic clip there. Did not work well. That did did not work out well for them, I do not believe. Um, but he did that. It was cool at the time. Uh, Keith Smith, fullback, he's coming back for the Atlanta Falcons. And then after that, it's a it's a bunch of guys that you ain't never heard of. They lose Demir Bird, so I guess maybe you heard of that guy. And uh, they bring in Trey Flowers from Cincinnati. Outside of that, there's the bulk of your free agency right there with the draft. So let's look at the final product. And on offense, 
starting quarterback right now, Desmond Ritter. What will he look like? Will he continue to develop? It is the linchpin that will decide what this season looks like for the Atlanta Falcons. I think with the quarterback or with the coach they have in place, Arthur Smith, I think he's going to make some noise this year. I think he's he was very experienced in college. Um, very good decision maker, it seems like. Only improved in every single start that he made last year. I think we can expect some good things from him this year. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people with his play. Uh, running back, you got Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, and then just off the screen there, they got Caleb Huntley. I've said this before, I'll say it again here now, they're not keeping all four of those guys, and whoever gets cut from this roster is going to make some other roster that much better. That's just how loaded the backfield is for the Atlanta Falcons right now, and when you got a head coach like Arthur Smith, it would behoove you to have a loaded backfield like that, but feels like one of those guys is going to be looking for a new team at the end of training camp. That'll be one to watch right now. At wide receiver, you got Drake... London, Mac Hollins, and Scotty Miller, who they brought in from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well in this offseason. They just brought in that many players that I couldn't fit it all in one screenshot. So Scotty Miller didn't make the cut, but he is making uh, the starting lineup there as the third receiver. And then you got Kadero Hodge, Frank Darby, Penny Hart as the next three after that. Have you ever heard of them? I've only ever heard of uh, Kadero Hodge, and that's I don't know why I've heard of Kadero Hodge, just one of those names that stuck in my head because I guess it sounded real cool one time. So I just remembered it. But that top three, definitely bottom half of the league. There's really no sugarcoating that one. Having Matt Collins as your second receiver and Scotty Miller as your third, I don't think that's much of a winning formula in a lot of circumstances. When you got a running game as good as the Falcons are going to be, you're going to get a whole lot of one-on-one -on -one opportunities, and I think Drake London can take advantage of a lot of those. Also, you got Kyle Pitts at tight end with, again, like I said, Jonu Smith at the uh, second string tight end there. Smith, going to be taking up a lot of blocking duties this year. Uh, Kyle Pitts, going to be allowed to free himself up, run a lot more routes this year. What will that look like? Will he finally break out and justify that high-level pick that he was? He's a special, special athlete, but will he be able to put it together? That's going to be another big question throughout the course of this season. Desmond Ritter and Kyle Pitts are the biggest what-ifs in my mind uh, for how this offense is going to shape out. Uh, at fullback, you got Keith Smith, who that's just a fullback name right there. No other, no other comments, no other questions. They have a second-string uh, fullback, which you don't see every day. Clint Radakovich, which, Radakovich, what a name. That's even more of a fullback name right there. They got the most fullback, fullback names of all time in this backfield right now. But I digress. Uh, at, who excuse me, offensive line, they got left tackle Jake Matthews still there from last year. Matthew Bergeron, who I think they just drafted. I want to say that that's who I was talking about earlier. Uh, center, Drew Dahlman, who I think has come back from last year. Right guard Chris Lindstrom, who they re-signed uh, to an extension, and Caleb McGarry, who they retained in free agency. I think full returning starters uh, last year outside of Matthew Bergeron, who they bring in in the draft. Uh, this is a good offensive line. I think this is an offensive line that maybe didn't play great in stretches last year, but run blocked very well. They will be continued they will continue to be put in situations to go downhill against teams again this year just because of how Arthur Smith calls an offense, and I think they're going to be playing well as a result. They're going to give Desmond Ritter some time to make some passes down the field a little bit more as well. I like the unit they've got together. As a whole, the receivers aren't anything to, you know, they aren't anything to write home about, 
But that offensive line is going to block well for that run game. And that running game, especially with Bijan Robinson, Bijan Robinson is the guy that makes this whole thing go. And I think with Bijan Robinson, he's going to get a lot of yards. He's going to create havoc for a defense. And that is going to create a leaky secondary on the other side, which is going to let Drake London, Scotty Miller, Matt Collins get wide open down the field a little bit more and Though the receivers are not much to write home about. Same thing with Kyle Pitts as well. I keep forgetting about Kyle Pitts, but he's easy to forget about when he doesn't make a whole lot of catches all throughout his career. Uh, maybe that'll change this year. All that is to say, though, like, like I was getting to there for a second, the receivers may not be all that, that great to write home about, but I think they're going to be very productive this year, especially with B. John Robinson in that backfield. I like the makeup of this Atlanta Falcons offense, even though the receivers are not as great as they possibly could be over there. On the defensive side of the ball, though, Calais Campbell sliding right in at that left defensive end like he's basically always played in the 3-4. Uh, nose tackle, David Onyemata, right defensive end, Grady Jarrett, the great Grady Jarrett, the only bright spot on this defense for quite some time. They brought in all sorts of help for him this year, so hopefully you see him shine even more this year on a team that's worth following. Um, outside linebacker at the will, they got Lorenzo Carter. Uh, inside linebackers, they got Troy Anderson, one of the fat Fastest white boy in the draft last year at linebacker. People forget uh, Caden Ellis at right inside linebacker. Uh, strong side linebacker. They got Bud Dupree slotting in there as well, which I don't know how I feel about Bud Dupree uh, starting at this phase of his career, but he's got a lot of uh, talent around him to uh, make up for any shortcomings that may uh, arise throughout the course of the season. But solid front seven there, especially with all the additions that are made. Still... Probably not sniffing a top 10 unit, but at the very least, they're looking at the top half of the league. And when you got a, a running game like you got on the other side of the ball, it makes their job much, much easier. But behind them, A.J. Terrell showed him some things over the last couple of years. I think he got an extension this offseason as a result of that. Uh, Richie Grant at strong safety, who I have admittedly never heard of. And at free safety, you got Jesse Bates, obviously, the guy you add in free agency. Um, Jeff Okuda, they also added through a trade, which I don't know. He never really worked out with the Detroit Lions anyways. He was a product of the previous regime of the Detroit Lions. I believe the final draft pick of the, uh, oh, what's his name? Big, big fat guy. Yeah, big old, big old blueberry over there with the, uh, the Detroit Lions. Oh, man. Uh, it's going to come to me at some point. It's just right there on, on, my, on the tip of my tongue. He was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots last year. I want to say his name is Patrick. I don't, I don't know. It's Pat. 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 Yeah. Yeah, it, it, the name totally escaped me. Doesn't matter, though. He's he's not even coaching for anyone this year, I don't think. So, I mean, mean good for him. But Jeff Okuda, maybe he gets a new change of scenery. That, that helps him out a little bit. Got a solid little front seven pass rushing-wise uh, to help it make his job a little easier. Maybe he surprises some people. We'll have to wait and see on that. Overall, I don't necessarily like the defense as much as I like the offense for this team, but I think they are serviceable enough with that run game to play behind to where they won't abjectly shoot the Falcons in the foot like they have over the last several years. I think they added enough through free agency to where they're going to make a, a few more waves, a few more plays to help the, this team win some games this year. And with all of that said... My ceiling for this team is 11 
wins this year. I think they got the highest ceiling of any team in this division right now. I'm probably higher on Desmond Ritter than a lot of people are. Um, still doesn't mean he probably shouldn't have gone after Lamar Jackson. I feel like, you know, could have could have probably made a, a bit more of an effort there, though it looked like the Ravens were pretty intent on signing him in, in spite of all of the messaging that was going on there. But still, I think very highly of Desmond Ritter. I think Bijan Robinson is going to be absolutely phenomenal this year. Uh, I think their receivers are going to play better than they have been over the last couple of years. The passing game is going to be better. I think Desmond Ritter is going to surprise some people in that way. And the defense, really nowhere to go but up from last year or in the year before that, for that matter. So I like them. I like the makeup of this team. I think they could, if all falls their way, be 11-6, and six, really be knocking at the door for a, a big-time playoff win, maybe. Certainly would be big for Arthur Smith. I think Arthur Smith has bought himself a lot of time here with the way he has performed in the face of bad quarterback play back there. But having Desmond Ruder in there, I think molding this young quarterback is going to Look good on him, and I think he's going to play very well is Desmond Ritter this year. That's my ceiling, 11 wins. Ooh, excuse me. The floor right now, I'm still going to say seven wins because Desmond Ritter is an unproven commodity. Now, again, he's shown in the past, has Arthur Smith, that even with bad quarterback play, he can get you seven, pushing eight wins, um, even with a bad defense, bad receivers, no quarterback. He was still winning games that he had absolutely no business winning. So I don't I don't think Arthur Smith is ever going to let them be abjectly terrible in a given year. 7-10, and ten, not out of the question, though, if Desmond Ritter does not live up to the expectations that I think I'm putting on him uh, to this point. I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to be light up the world, one of the best QBs in the entire league, but I think he's going to show himself to be a serviceable starter. And when you got a run game coordinator like Arthur Smith... All you really need is a serviceable starter sometimes to get some a, a whole lot of wins under your belt. My prediction overall for them, 10-7 and seven for this year, and I think that's going to be good enough to get them the NFC South. Again, very competitive division, not the strongest division in the world, though. I think even with Desmond Ritter being a question mark, the defense being eh, not the greatest in the world, but being better than it was last year. I do think it's going to be enough for them to rise to the top of this division. It's going to be hard down the stretch for sure, but having that explosive backfield that they got with Bijan Robinson and Co. back there, having that offensive line to run behind, the, the receivers are going to be better. I think Kyle Pitts is going to play better this year, and if he doesn't, it's he's very much in bust territory at this point. Um, but I just feel like this team is the best one in the NFC South right now. I just think they're going to win this division. I think 10-7 and seven is going to be good enough to do it unless something insane happens uh, throughout the course of this season. But with that, that's my prediction. Atlanta Falcons to win this division, and with that, we have reached the end of this episode, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. If you enjoyed, subscribe, leave a like. You know, subscribe on the YouTube, subscribe on Spotify, uh, Amazon, all over the place. Just go subscribe and be a doll, will you? That would be fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, outside of that, you can follow me on social media at Caleb Verzak. Uh, mostly on Twitter. Just go follow me on Twitter. And if you want to contact the show, you can either shoot me a DM on Twitter or you can go through the email unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That is unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. 
And uh, yeah, with that, thank you so much for tuning into Unqualified Analysis. As always, I've got no clue what I'm talking about, but one thing I do is history. And one thing I learned this week is that George Washington had never been to New England until he took command of the Continental Army in the Revolutionary War. People may think that he was up in Boston rabble-rousing. Nope, he was just down there in Mount Vernon, chilling out with with his, his scores of enslaved people at his ranch down there in Mount Vernon, just having a good old time but until he was called upon to be the commander of the Union Army. So the more you know, never been up to New England before that point, before the Revolutionary War, before he took command. So there you go. There's your fun fact of the day. I will see y'all in August, I suppose. Deuces.